So welcome to Wealth Languages. I'm your host, A.B. Ridgeway. If you are looking for faith-based financial advice that you can actually understand, then you've come to the right place. On this webinar, we are going to demystify all the financial jargon that you may hear from your financial advisor. We leverage proven financial strategies, but use faith-based principles for guidance. And during this process, we pray for discernment so that we can understand the things that work for you. Now, this webinar is for the beginner investor, those who want to learn about finances, but don't have the time or willingness to go get a master's of business administration in finance or sit through an eight hour online course to figure out what a bond is. So if you're like the other millions of investors that wish they knew what their advisor was talking about, be prepared to be prepared. So sit back and relax, not if you're driving, as we get this webinar started. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Elijah One Ridgeway, and I am the owner of AB Ridgeway Wealth Management, and I want to take a brief moment to tell you about myself. First, I've been married for 13 years to Teresa Ridgeway. We have four beautiful children. I have my master's in business administration. I've worked in the financial industry for nearly a decade. And now I'm a financial planner who helps wealthy families with God-centered financial goals live happy lives. My favorite book is Thoughts or Things, a wonderful read about the power of our words, our thoughts, and our intentions, and not just on ourselves, but on the world in which we live in and the people who live in it with us. To stress this idea, I like to make this point. Everything that you see in your life today was once a thought. Look around your room, trash cans, the chair that you're sitting in. This was a thought in somebody's mind that came into fruition. So after this webinar, you will have new thoughts as well that will change the way that you see the world and you see your finances. And my favorite scripture, it comes from Acts. In everything that I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of Jesus himself, who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And today, I want to give you this free webinar as a way to give back. Some of us have worked very, very hard their whole life to accumulate their wealth, whether it's $500,000 or over $5 million. They just don't know how to communicate the importance of continuing that legacy to the next generation or to even their spouse. And not only that, how can they protect what they've worked so hard to build? So what we do here at this firm is a little different than your driest pace firm that only cares about the numbers. We care about the people and how they feel about those numbers. We don't just want to see $2.5 million on your investment statement. That's nice, but we want an invitation to your children's graduation. We want to be invited to closing of your new home. 
in a seat at your lawyer's office as you tell your beneficiaries, now whoever they may be, kids, grandkids, churches, charities, or pets, that they're going to be okay. So let's get right into this. The reason you are here. Now, first, I want to let you know that this webinar is going to be interactive. I really like participation. And remember, there are no wrong answers here. We'll be discussing a topic that a majority of people don't even have with their spouse. So I know this is new. We are talking about wealth language and how you communicate about finances. This webinar will be your, be my, excuse me, opinion, interpretation, perspective, and my key takeaways from a study group that was created by Kel Dow from Kingdom Advisors. I think this is going to be very important. One, because this will give you, the listener, a base on which you will be able to open up a conversation with your spouse and children about how you manage the blessings that God has put into your life. We will discuss opening the lines of communication with your heirs, discussing your wealth language with your spouse, and how to use discernment when expressing yourself. We will teach you how to stop letting money come between you and the people you love, to learn the four wealth languages of stability, future, opportunity, and moment. Learn how to communicate your desires with the people you love. Learn the biggest risk to you losing your net worth and years of hard work. We're going to help you with that. But first, let me let you know that throughout this presentation, the chat will be open. If you have a comment or if you have a question, I want you to type it and don't worry, we'll be taking some breaks to answer some of those questions, address some of those comments. Feel free to type as much as you wish or not type at all. But for you to get the most out of this webinar, you can't be shy. You can't you have to be vulnerable to the point where you say it's OK for me to express myself, because when you're behind that desk of a financial advisor, they need to know those things so they can help you. You know, you can't know what you pretend to know. So you didn't hear, you didn't come here for a sermon. You know, most financial webinars are about numbers and a bunch of graphs. But this webinar, you will determine how much you get out of it by truly thinking about the information that we present. It is very dense, it's very thick. Sometimes one question can take you half an hour or even a day to digest, but it's okay. You came here to get the information and to clear up some questions around wealth languages so you can have a better relationship with those you love. And that's exactly what we are going to do today. Now, as always, I am a faith-based firm. And what we like to do we start off with a guiding principle. A guiding principle is what our firm uses when approaching an issue. We seek knowledge from God and use it as a filter to get the good out of what we seek to know. And this webinar's guiding principle comes from Proverbs 
chapter 4, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. One of the themes of this webinar is that no matter what you hear from me, always seek guidance from God. And then from other sources. I'm going to say that one more time. <clears throat> always seek guidance from God and then from other sources. The reason is that I'm human as well. And the best part is that clients give me grace because I give them grace. And by the grace of God, he has brought you here because there may be some insightful things that you need regarding your finances and your faith. And I'm grateful you decided to hear the message through me. So let's dive into this subject. Wealth languages. I'm going to read something to you that I think is important for you to hear. It's from the resource guide that Kel Dow released through Kingdom Advisors. Can you guess, get your keyboards ready here. Can you guess by what generation that 95% of a person's high net worth status is lost? I'm gonna do a favor here. I'm gonna put that question up, up here so you can see it. Can you guess by what generation that 95% of a person's high net worth status is lost. I'm gonna give some people some time to, to put that into the chat. So we got second, second. Okay, so you're getting a lot of seconds here. Any other generations, first, third, fourth, fifth? Okay, so it looks like it's a landslide for a second. But 95% of net worth is lost by the third generation. Does anyone have a reason they think causes that loss? Could it be a, a market crash? Too many taxes? Or maybe some legal advice? I'm gonna give you about another 30 seconds or so to put your responses in the chat. So it's the third generation that a majority of high net worth clients lose their wealth. Now, what do you think is the issue? Like I said, do you think it's something like COVID-19 that comes and wipes things out? Is it a market crash? Is it too many taxes that they're paying? Or, or maybe some just bad legal advice they got from their lawyer? Let me hear some of your responses and what you think causes the greatest generational loss in net worth. So I see get rich quick schemes. Lack of advice. I guess seeking professional help. So I'm going to tell you what it is. Can you believe that it's not due to a market crash, lack of legal advice, or taxes, or any of that? It's due to a communication and trust breakdown. Yes, I know what you're thinking. 95%, that's pretty high. And, and, and I would agree. And at first, I was skeptical because I think we all know that 95% of statistics are 100% wrong. <laughs> but, but this is a little bit different here. The point is not the high 90% total. The point is that it has little to do with investment advice, taxes, 
or legal advice, which are a driving force behind most of our own insecurities around money. See, we inherit this money and we try to save every dollar from taxes and time in the market and trying to invest our extra money, but we lose thousands and sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars because the next generation doesn't know how to manage those assets. Now, let me make this point. The first generation sees how hard they're working, how hard it took to accumulate their wealth. The second generation sees that. They grow up and go, hey, mom and mom and dad worked really hard. They did this. They tell these stories. But by the third generation, some may be fortunate enough to, to, to meet their grandparents. Some are not. But they don't have that ability. So they don't have any instructions. They don't have any guidance. So they end up wasting it. Now, here's some facts about money I want you to take with you. And communication overall, money is the number one source of stress and conflict in marriage and the second leading cause of divorce. According to an American Express study, nine out of 10 couples actively, listen, actively avoid talking about money. Now, watch this. 94% of people who claim to have a great marriage Talk about money how much? Once? Twice? Regularly. Now, I bet you didn't think I was going to be on that list, but it is. Now, these statistics are startling, but we're going to break this down. You know, we're going to break some of these ideas down and give you some good takeaways so you could bring to your next conversation with your loved one or even your financial advisor. Now, before we do, I want to remind you all. If you're not subscribed to our Facebook group, I want you to look up A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management on Facebook. Yesterday, and then I'm going to tell you why. Yesterday, we went over an article. I believe it was titled, Stop Saying Finances Are Simple, because they aren't, or something along those lines. But the basis of the article was this. How we see money can be determined by a lot of things. Our family our living conditions, our occupations, et cetera. If you have a chance, you should check it out. It's short, but the reason I brought it up is because if you know your partner's wealth language, those five points we discussed, such as money being unpredictable, the amount of money people have and make determine their outlook will make more sense. But let's get back to these wealth languages. Base of our conversation is going to be around the four Wealth languages, stability, future, moments, opportunities. Now, if you're taking notes, what I want you to do here, get your piece of paper out, your iPad, if you're on your computer, um, wherever you're at, I want you to take some notes here. There are two questions I want you to keep in mind while listening to this webinar. Let me make it easy for you. I'm gonna, put them, I'm gonna put it on the screen as well. The first question, is there currently a communication breakdown threatening your family and your finances? Is there currently a communication breakdown threatening your family and your finances? If you want to answer yes in the chat, you, you can go ahead. <laughs> but I want you to keep these in mind. 
Question number two. How well does my spouse and I communicate about money? And do I know his or her wealth language? Let me put this up here for y'all. How well does my spouse and I communicate about money? Do I know his or her wealth language? If you're on the chat, just give me a good, great, not so good, or it needs improving or something along those lines. I just really want you to take a second. I really want you to think about this because I'm going to be asking you again at the end of this webinar. Not so well. Got some goods. Looks like somebody even said the market ups and downs could be something that breaks down generational wealth. So let's keep going here. Now, by the end of this webinar, I hope that you have a better understanding of what wealth languages are and able to communicate with your spouse. And if you don't know their wealth language right now, that's okay. That's why we're here. And this is why I am here. So right now, I'm going to paraphrase some of these for you for easy digestion. Also, I'll be taking a break after each one just in case there are any questions around them. The first is stability. Stability. They're focused on the near terms. These are some attributes. They're typically risk adverse, meaning they don't like to take risk. They have a strong sense of self of creating financial security for themselves and others. Number four, they use money as means to make you feel at home. So stability, if you're somebody who speaks a wealth language of stability, you like to make sure that the lifestyle that you live is taken care of now. They make sure that there is enough money for bills and living expenses. As long as they can have their basic needs met, they're happy and they become stressed when it is threatened by emergencies or unexpected events. So how many of you out there can relate to being stable, a stability? Raise your hand or put it in the comment section. Does this resonate with you? You have anybody on a stabilizer mindset, different wealth languages? We have a few. We have a few who are stability. So let's go to future. Maybe you didn't fall into stabilizer or stability. Excuse me. Maybe you didn't fall into stability. Let's move on to future. Futures, just like it says, is focused on the future. They're typically more risk adverse than opportunity moments, which we'll talk about later on. They have a strong sense of checking the financial boxes to secure predictable futures. You know, hey, we pay for this. We pay for that. They use money as means to make smooth the road toward future goals, retirement, college, estate planning, things of that nature. If your future, this is similar to stability as it is seeking comfort from the basic needs. But this wealth language focuses on the future and they are willing to sacrifice immediate satisfaction for the security of knowing their future goals are met. That is to say, they can retire debt-free, they can pay for their kids' education, they can buy a larger house or move to another state. 
But if they know that their future stability is taken care of, they're willing to sacrifice in the short term. Now, does this wealth language resonate with anyone? Do you see yourself in stability? You know, do you see yourself in future? Let's move on to moments here. I'm going to give a chance to, to go into the chats in a second. So if you have a question or comment, I'll, I'll get to it um, as soon as we take a little quick break here. Moments are focused on the near term. They're motivated by experiences and memories. Money is viewed as a tool to maximize the experience of life, and they are less concerned about risk. So if you're into moments, if this is your wealth language, these are those who are trying to create experiences. They know that we cannot take these assets with us. So they try to make the most of everything that they have. You know them. They're the ones with the elaborate birthday parties, the themed Christmas gatherings, and multiple trips to Disneyland. They want to use their money to live their best life, not later, but now. How many of you fall into this category? Is some of this starting to make sense now? Are you starting to see maybe your spouse or yourself or maybe some of your loved ones in some of these wealth languages? Let's move forward here. Opportunity. Focused on the long term. They seek chances that pay dividends. Most willing to take risk but surround themselves with trusted advisors. Money is viewed as a tool to create more opportunities for themselves and others. So if you're in the opportunity wealth language, that's the language that you speak, you're usually the risk taker. They're willing to give us the security, excuse me, they are willing to give up the security of right now for hopes of something greater in the future. They're dreamers and tend to take on more risk than the average person, but they are all, but they also have greater rewards. There's a saying that goes, you do not get rewarded for the risk that you do not take. You know what that means? If you want to return in the market of 20% or 30%, you have to be willing to take the risk of losing in order to gain that 10% or 20%. See, they can experience great losses, and that's fine for them. But there's one little caveat. Look at number three. I want you to look closely here. I'm going to reread it for you, just in case you're driving or something, or you just listen to this on you know, a recording. Most willing to take risk, but surround themselves with trusted advisors. These are the persons who looks for a mortgage officer looks for a CPA, looks for a financial advisor, looks for a lawyer, looks for a plumber, looks for an electrician, looks for a general contractor. These are the individuals that understand that if they're going to additional risk, they're going to need assistance. And they don't need their own understanding. They need the understanding of somebody who does it. Now, with that said, it's not that they relinquish their tasks to somebody else. They still want to know. But they learn, they grow, 
and it makes them comfortable to take that chance because it's a lot easier to walk when the lights are on. Now, I want you to ask yourself, take some time now, what is your wealth language? Can you identify with any of these? So for those who are on the chat, I want you to answer your wealth language. We're going to do a little exercise here. So we're going to take about 20 seconds, 30 seconds or so. I want you to write up your, your wealth language. Which one did you fall under? Stable. We got some opportunity here. So at this time, if you're having trouble figuring out which one you are, you may be held up with your current financial situation. Let me explain. If money's a little tight, you may not be the person who wants to live in the moment, even though you want to be. You may not want to save for your kid's future because you need to put food on the table. And that's okay. So what I want to do is I want to help you out. So we're going to do a little activity here. So we know what the wealth languages are. I'm going to give you another scenario, and I'm going to ask you again. So listen close here. If you are low on income, you may choose stability, even though if you had unlimited assets, you would create moments, right? So you just received $100 million. Now, okay, $100 billion gazillion dollars, okay? Just for some people who feels like they want to be Jeff Bezos. So let's let's say you you got a hundred bajillion dollars and all your debts were paid. Ask yourself, what would you buy? Just put it into the chat. What would you buy? If you had all the money in the world, I guess maybe the word buy won't be the, the answer. What would you just go get? What would you go get if you had all the money in the world that you could never imagine? What would you spend your money on? Doesn't have to be material goods. Okay, we got some people who fall into prob probability land, stability, opportunity. Okay, some people actually be in the future. Some people invest in Bitcoin and real estate, properties. Cure for cancer. These are some great answers here. Some people get into real estate, doing some traveling. Invest, my freedom, perfect. I got a question. I don't want to lead anybody on, but would anybody give any, away to anybody? Any charities, any churches? Any <laughs> Food first, investments, perfect. Anybody have a call? I saw the cure for cancer. I love that. I love that. That was a, that was a, a great answer. I'm, not that one answer is better than the other. Excuse me. Not that one answer is better than you, but that really just caught my eye. Um, 63 Corvette Stingray. Perfect. Children and charity. Good. These are all great answers. These are all great answers. So, like I said before, would you prepay for your kid's college education? Would you set up a living trust to make sure that your grandkids get a certain amount of money? Would you travel the world? So I'm going to give you some more time to think about what the category do you fall into now? Are you stable still? Are you future? Are you opportunity? Because you have all, all the money in the world now. That Before we move on, I want to know what your second option is. So we know where you fall. What would be your second option? And let's say you decided you were stability. 
if that is no longer a choice, what would be your second option? Now, this is very important. What is your second option? Remember that you couldn't choose your first. Let me know in the chat. You cannot repeat your first wealth language. Helping people, moments. Good. I'm, I'm seeing some different start a nonprofit like that. Purchasing and philanthropy. Some people are into moments again. Traveling. These are great. Opportunity. Good. Hopefully, what you see through this exercise is that this is a spectrum. We won't always have a stabilizer wealth language. We may be a little future and a little moment. But the idea here is to figure out how we express our wealth language. Context is key. We may be more stable when it comes to house purchases, but more opportunity when it comes to buying clothes. Understanding the situation, excuse me, understanding the situation in which you are making that financial situation or financial decision is a major key. So understand the context in which you are making the financial decision. Let me say that one more time. Understand the context in which you are making the financial decision. The reason this is so important is because when you're listening to your spouse make a decision about your finances, you need to put their decision in context. When they say, I want to go to Disneyland this summer, what's the context? Do they feel that the prices are going to be too high next year? Do they feel that there was a ride they want to ride since they were in the fifth grade and they're going to get rid of it this year. So if they don't write it, she'll never get to write it ever in her life or his life, depending on who it is. So understanding the context in which you're making the final decision, the financial decision is very important. Also, this exercise outlines is that we're not always the same. So we cannot group each other into these small little boxes. You know, I, I like to imagine boxes with holes in them where you can travel in and out of them depending on the mood. And that's why it's very important to keep understanding your spouse. You can't say, hey, my, my spouse's stability, they're always going to be stability. No. As I said before, it's a spectrum. They move. So the key takeaway here is that when we are trying to figure out what to do with our wealth, we need to open up communication with those that will be affected by it. Your wealth depends on it. And being able to communicate those desires, you can make better financial decisions to ensure that when you pass, that the assets are secure. So now that you understand wealth languages, I want to give you some questions. You can ask your heirs or spouse to open up these lines of communication, right? Because I think we're all nervous here. I think we're all nervous to have that conversation with our spouse like, uh, you know, he doesn't really listen too well when I bring it up or she doesn't want to listen or talk about finances at all. Let's do this. So we talked about what you would buy. You pray for your kids. Would you set up a living trust? I'm not going to put you through that again. I'm going to put you through another activity real quick. We're going to move through this pretty quick. A majority of it is going to be done after the webinar. So what I want you to do is have both of you Pull out a sheet of paper. 
And I want you to ask a question. So you have a sheet of paper, he has a sheet of paper or whoever that your loved one is. It could be a, a, a child, it could be a trustee or whatever it is. You have a sheet of paper, they have a sheet of paper. And you're going to ask, what would the other person do with the money if the other would pass? Let me give an example. If I'm the husband and on my paper, I need to write what my wife would do if I had to pass away. Would she go on all these lavish trips? Would she buy a vehicle? Would she downsize her house? What would be her number one priority and what would she do with it? Would she travel the world? You know, would she, you know, what would she do with it? And vice versa. The wife or significant other or child or mother or parent or whatever, whoever is affected by the financial choices that you make, they're going to you're going to write what you think they would do and you're going to put down a sheet of paper. So let me give you another example. A wife may write, I believe my husband would buy a brand new Corvette. And the husband may write on his sheet, I would give 10 percent to the local animal shelter. You see that? See how that works. The point is, you may be surprised at what the other may do. But remember this. This is not a place to judge. It is a place to understand and open up the lines of communication. Once you both agree on what you want to occur, it'd be a great time to visit an estate attorney. So I'm going to take a look at the chat here. I want to see what you think your significant other would put on their paper. And what you would put on yours. So I got I got a comment here saying, I think I have to sit this activity out. Well, you actually don't. Because what happens is, no matter your age, no matter your occupation, when you pass, there is going to be somebody who's going to be affected by your wealth. You know, whether you just have a simple savings account, checking account, or whatever it may be. A 401k, somebody's going to have to handle those assets. So no matter if you only have $100 in your checking account, your wishes still matter. There's not a money threshold or a, an amount of money that says it's worth talking about. Every dollar is worth talking about. Because let's say you have no money. You need to talk to the people who are going to be taking care of your funeral. How are they going to pay for it? Somebody has to. And we think, well, I'm going to be dead. I don't have to worry about that. But is that, is that really the right attitude to the people that you love? So you can still pull out a sheet of paper and you can write toward the people that you want your wealth to go to. Write down your wishes, what you want them to do. Not necessarily what you think they would do because we don't know who they are yet. So you're going to write down what you want them to do. And that could be your exercise. I like this. I'd hope they will secure their retirement. That's a great response. You would hope. Because money is security. To be, to, to be able to live and not just survive. And you would hope that they will want to secure their retirement and their future just as you worked so hard to do. But remember, this is your wealth language. There's been many times where you may be a saver and the next generation, they're spenders. So that's why it's always imperative to talk to them. I like this. I give out to St. Jude's. Great, great charity has great works. So let me go keep moving here. 
So, as I said before, once you both agree on what you want to occur, it would be a great time to visit an estate attorney and draft up a living trust to make sure that those promises are fulfilled. In the trust, the attorney can put in the exact language necessary to make sure assets are allocated properly by the trustee. Ah, okay, I forgot. This is for the beginner. <laughs> so you may be scratching your head and wondering, what is a living trust? So let me give you a brief lesson. I'm not going to go too deeply into it. So let me just kind of break down the basics here. A living trust is a legal document and is created during an individual's lifetime where a designated person, you know, father, sister, mother, sister, cousin is designated as trustee. They are given the responsibility for managing that individual's assets for the benefit of the eventual beneficiaries. They could be the beneficiary as well. But the idea here is that a living trust is designed to allow the easy transfer of the trust creator or settler's assets. So if, if I want to pass on my assets to my children or to my wife or to a brother or sister, I will create a living trust to make sure that that happens while bypassing the often complex and expensive legal process of probate. So these funds are already designated. They don't need to go through a court. Live in trust agreements designate a trustee who holds legal possession of the assets and property that flow into the trust. I think what you really just need to know is that this living trust designates a person to manage assets for somebody else while the grantor, who would be me in this case, is still alive. That's why you call it a living trust. And trustees with fiduciary uh, duties, they manage these trusts according to the beneficiary's best interest. And living trusts can be either irrevocable, meaning they can't be changed, or revocable. They can be changed. So in basic terms, it just doesn't give the property to someone like in a will uh, that has to go through probate courts. It just simply outlines how the property is used, and that is executed by the trustee, someone who is responsible for making sure that it happens. If you're lost <laughs> or maybe didn't catch everything, uh, I apologize. It's, it is a very um, dense concept and something that you shouldn't tread alone. So I think even trying to break it down in simple terms is very hard. So, you know, working with a financial advisor or somebody that you trust, like, like I said, an attorney, they can kind of break it down piece by piece. Um, it's a process. You're not going to catch it in a, a 20 minute definition or, or explanation of it, but just understand those words. You might want to write it down, maybe with a question mark with it, living trust, question mark, transfer assets, question mark, and uh, go that direction. But, but back to the point here, we want to make sure that the person we are trusting with our wealth understands our intentions. So the key takeaway is to find someone you trust and have the conversation around what to do with the wealth. And if you don't share the same wealth language, you can always place stipulations in that living trust to mitigate that risk. Let me give you an example. If you know your heir is going to buy an, an exotic car for, let's say, 200000 as soon as he gets his $4 million inheritance, then you may add that he only is allocated $50,000 for the first four years and cannot exceed cash withdrawals of 100000 after that. Also, 10% of everything that he takes out must be given to insert your favorite charity here. Now, keep in mind, you need to speak to a lawyer to make sure that the language you put into the living trust is legally binding and is what you really want. So in this example, this person who this person has left $4 million to, they can't take $4 million and go to Vegas and lose it on one game of crap, 
right? Or you know, what's it called? I don't gamble, so I don't know the crap table. Or or blackjack. That's perfect. I, I know that's right. The blackjack. This person can only get fifty thousand dollars for the first year, so they need to sit on the money for a while. And even after that, they can't exceed a hundred thousand dollars. So they'll probably have to leave live another, you know, 40 years or so. And the money that they do take out has to go to charity. You see how that works. So I'm going to pause here one more time and I'm going to check in on the chat, see if there's any questions or any comments. If not, then we'll keep chugging along. We have about 10 more minutes. I want to make sure I leave some time for some questions and answers if we need to. Um, but we're going to do that maybe about 20 seconds, 30 seconds, something real quick, and we'll go from there. I do want to respect your time. So we'll downsize the home. So they manage the assets in case the grantor is alive, but uh, incapacitated. Um, yes and no. So, so yeah, so th they manage the assets in case the grantor is alive. They are, um, and they don't have to be incapacitated. Um, you're almost talking about almost like a power of attorney where that person can act on their behalf if they become in incapacitated. Um, usually what you would get is what they call like a medical power of attorney. Uh, where you go to two separate doctors and they're going to say, hey, listen, this person can't handle their own finances or not financially fit. You go through the courts, you get a power of attorney. So if there's any transactions that they need during their life, uh, you could sign and do those things for them. But yeah, so it's, like I said, usually people do that for a transfer of assets. The the living trust, you know, the person could be in great health. You could be you could be 20 years old with the living trust. That's not that's not the issue. Um, we just want to make sure that it's an, it's an easy transition. And yes, living trusts are done by lawyers. Uh, financial advisors don't do living trust. What we do is kind of help you through the process. So we would talk with your lawyer, make sure it has all the right information in it, make sure the accounts that we open, your financial advisor, your investments accounts are included under that trust. Your lawyer can't create um, the investment account necessary to put inside that trust. So if you have stocks and bonds and mutual funds or retirement, your lawyer is not going to be able to open that account. You got to come to a financial advisor. That's what we do. We open the account, we invest the money, and we put that underneath the legal document of the trust. And actually, we put the account titling inside the trust name. So it's the trust is actually its own entity um, in which we create um, accounts under that name as if it was a real person. So if it was uh, John Doe's trust, we would open up an account under John Doe's trust. And that's how it happens. So the living part is, yes, they, they are alive. Um, they're, they're still alive. So they can make changes if they want to, depending if it's a revocable or irrevocable trust. Hope that kind of helps. There's different types of uh, trust out there. So, you know, there's there's too many to kind of go over in this short little segment. But yes, um, like I said, I would, I would write that down, put a nice little question mark by it and just take a look at it. So let me do something quick here. Can you guess what's the number two reason behind infidelity um, as the cause of divorce? I'm not going to go to the chats on this one. I'm, I'm going to get you through it. If it was anything other than money, I don't think I would have brought it up, but it is. It's money. And if you think it's just a lack of money, you would be wrong. We usually imagine two people at a kitchen table with bills spread out and playing the blame game. You know, you did this, dissecting every purchase for the last month and asking the other why they ate at Ruth Chris when dinner was already cooked at home. Now, I'm not saying that these situations don't exist. But I am saying that just because you have money doesn't mean you have 
you don't have money issues. Gary Chapman wrote a, a book called The Five Love Languages, which is the basis for this lesson on wealth and opening communication. If you haven't read the book, it may be a good idea to check it out here. Let me. So what it's what it's about, the reason I bring this up is that Kale challenges us to express our wealth language to our spouses, giving them an inside look on how we express ourselves when it comes to money. In this case, silence is not golden. According to a study, 95% of the people surveyed would rather choose not to speak about their finances. And this stance can create more problems than it solves. Now, this is not an interrogation room. Rather, it is the best when framed as an opportunity to explore how each of us uniquely view the use of money. It is intended to be a fun exercise, not an annual review of investment choices. The big takeaway here is that we are trying to figure out is what motivates us when it comes to money. What motivates your spouse? Some of us, we can't enjoy an exotic vacation knowing that we are $5,000 in debt. We just can't. And some of us don't want to live a basic life and want to live in a mansion. And obviously, I'm stating material possessions. But charitable giving, it can cause just as much friction. Maybe a spouse gives more than the other feels is necessary. And it is threatening their sense of stability while the other spouse is creating moments with the charity they donate to. So I encourage each of you to deepen conversations with your advisor and your family so they can understand you and your situation better. This is not an overnight process, and it won't be solved with a one-hour client or family meeting or a one-hour webinar. As your advisor grows with you, remember this, your perspective on money changes. So make sure that you express it to them as well, because if you hire somebody to help you with your finances, they need to know your wealth language as well. My suggestion is the next time you speak about finances or making a purchase, I want you to listen to this webinar again and reintroduce yourself to the four wealth languages. I hope that you've been blessed and could take at least one thing away from this webinar. Now, remember those two questions at the very beginning. Have I considered a communication breakdown as a risk to help address and mitigate with my family? How well does my spouse and I communicate about money? And do I hear or understand his or her wealth language? All right. So, it looks like we still have a few minutes left, maybe about five minutes or so. So I want to say um, some time to answer some questions. People may be, you know, may, uh, you know, have some questions about wealth languages and how to have better communication with their loved one. So in the chat, I want you to write your questions. Also put in your key takeaways and what you learned from this webinar. Um, has your perspective changed? Do you understand your wealth language better? But as you type your questions, I'm going to take this time to remind you that if you or your organization needs a speaker and would like a webinar targeted to your employees or coworkers, send me an email and we can see if it's a good fit. Also, if you have a church or charity and you need someone to speak about financial literacy and investing, I have a webinar titled Amazing Grace that goes over the four pillars of a strong financial foundation from a, a biblical perspective, discussing managing debt, saving, investing, and transfer of wealth. For nonprofits, I waive any speaking engagement fees. So if you have a social event or need a guest speaker to speak on finances, let me know. As for profit companies, please email me for further details. And for those who are looking for a financial advisor who really cares about you and your situation, I'm going to leave my contact information up as well. Feel free to schedule a time to speak with me about your financial situation with no obligation. 
I see some questions are coming in, but I want to say this as well. If you haven't had a chance to register on the website, after this webinar, go to the website and register. Let me tell you why. This way, you can receive the Wealth Languages ebook that I wrote based on the information presented today. So if you missed a question or an activity, you can receive our resource guide that outlines some of our talking points and something you can review with your significant other. Just in case they weren't making, maybe they were at work today. Also here, want us to connect it for more thought-provoking material, link up with us on LinkedIn. You can also join our Facebook group, as I mentioned earlier, on Google, Spotify, iTunes for our podcast, for top three things you should ask your financial advisor, top four questions they should be asking you, you know, what's going on in the market? What's a 401k? What's a living trust? Um, also, we have uh, Freedom for Serafina, which is a inspirational faith-based uh, podcast where we share inspirational stories and poems. And then also on YouTube, some of you are watching on YouTube. So some of our videos will be up on YouTube. We're going to start doing some Financial Friday. So we'll have little tidbits, things about what's going on in the market. So subscribe there on all platforms, wherever you may be, to get some of our information that we have. So also one last, you know, in-house. These are the podcasts here. Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things and Freedom for Serafina. We have another upcoming webinar is how to create your own financial plan coming up April 30th. These are going to be the basics. So just kind of how to put a plan together, things that you should consider. Obviously, it's not going to be perfect, but it's something that you can do there. So make sure that you go to the website. You can register for both of those events there. And let me look at the chat, see if there's anything. Looks like we have a couple of minutes left. So money problems, mismanagement. Got to like this comment here. Interesting perspective when comparing to love languages, obviously, because the way we spend money shows how we love. You know, some people show their love through their wealth and how they show their, their wealth to you, right? Some of them buy gifts. So this is kind of a question, a little off topic, but I'm, I'm happy to answer. How can one know if the chart or the charity, I think they meant, uh, they are donating to is legit? Uh, donating can be sketchy sometimes. Well, you want to check there at 501c3. Um, they have to be registered. Um, so you may want to just check their their documentation. And then also one thing, you know, I like to do is, you know, you find one charity you like, maybe one that you volunteer with and stick with it. You know, that's that's what your focus is. And that's what faith based investing does. We have we are a firm that focuses on faith based financial goals with uh, an ideology behind giving and charitable giving. And that's what we do. We kind of set people up. Uh, there are some community leaders and community foundations that we work with locally uh, to to make sure that the dollars that people invest into charities are going to the places they want them to go to. You know, sometimes we donate to the Red Cross, nothing against them, but it's a national thing, right? Um, sometimes we like to go more local, something that we can see and do. Okay, so this is kind of like summarize. If you and your spouse have different wealth languages, how can you get on the same page? The idea here is not that you want to get on the same page. You want to know what page they're on. So if they like to live in moments and you like to be, you know, you like stability, then the compromise would be, hey, I'll be able to throw whatever party that you want to as long as the bills are paid. Right. And that's how you attack every problem, because if you know exactly how you're let's put it this way, both of you want to have a great life. Y'all both want things. You're not arguing about what you want. You're arguing about how to get there. You understand? So it's like, hey, we all want to go to, let's just say you're in Louisiana. You want to go to California. 
but you may disagree on what path to take. Do you take the back roads? Do you take the highways? You know, do you fly? Do you take the bus? You know, do you ride a skateboard or a bicycle? The idea here is to find out where they are so y'all both can get to California happily and cordially because that's the goal, right? To stay in love, stay in love, to be happy. So whenever somebody tries to argue about the dollar, don't don't focus on the, the dollar. That's a red herring. Don't focus on that. No. Focus on how you spend that dollar and where that dollar needs to go, because it's not the money. It's, it's the misplacing of that money. <laughs> so this is one here. More money, more problems, less money, even more problems. And, you know, I, I joked about this earlier, but the idea is, yes, more money, more problems, less money, even more problems. It's not necessarily less money. You have more problems because I think with less money, you have less problems. The reason is because with less money, you know what you're trying to do. You're trying to fulfill your basic needs, food, water, shelter, clothing. Once that bucket's filled, now you have a whole life that you have to concern about. You know, now you're talking about, now you're talking about retirement. Now you're talking about trips and, and things of that nature. And you ha- you're, you're confused. I think when you don't have money, I think everybody's objective is the same. Pay those debts. You know, it's frustrating because you don't know when the next dollar amount's going to come in. But at the end of the day, I mean, what, what can we say? Right. That's, that's a great that's a great that's a great comment, though. I do. I do want to respect everybody's time. Is there is there any other questions that anybody has? Let's take care of. So I'll, I'll keep a look at the chat, but I am going to wrap up for those who may have to go. I want to respect your time. But I want to thank all of you for attending. This webinar was created for AB Ridgeway Wealth Management, a virtual and in-person fee only advisor that believes that financial advice should be custom made. If you need help figuring out your finances, feel free to reach out to us at 337-414-3686 or visit our website at ABR Wealth Management and schedule a free consultation. Here, I'm going to put our contact information here. Um, You are free to leave um, if you're listening to this on replay. Um, I want you to know this. At our firm, we practice what we preach. So if you need more information or a better explanation of what you heard today, give us a call and we'll love to have a discussion on how we may serve you and may God bless you. I'm going to stick around for another five or 10 minutes or so until, you know, any questions are answered. You're free to go. Thank you for coming. Uh, Please register for any future events we may have. What tips do you have for someone who's making less than 50,000 when started uh, making over 60? Oh, then started making over six figures. Um, I don't I don't think the problem is the dollar amount. I think it's the, the the switch in mentality. So if you live below your means, you'll always have money. But if you're living, if your income increases and your standard of living increases, you're always going to feel the same. It's always going to feel like you don't have enough because all you're doing is raising your expenses to meet your $100,000, you know, your six-figure income. Now, if you continue to live a $50,000 lifestyle, even though you're making six figures, You'll always have money. You'll always feel secure. Um, so I think the idea here is um, strategically allocating those assets, those additional assets into areas that one are going to grow, but two, it d- doesn't increase your your living um, your living expenses. So you know if you're making six figures, you live in a, a two bedroom, you know two baths. You don't want to go and buy a, a four bedroom. You know, just because your income doubled or whatever it is, you don't want to two times the house because you're just going to be in the same, you know, mental situation you are. Any key takeaways, anything that y'all learned, anything that, you know, you want to see done differently. 
Thank you, Shay. Great information. Thank you. Appreciate that. Clarence, thank you. Thank you for the applause. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's been my pleasure. It's been a great webinar. Well, I'm about to give about 10 more seconds. If nothing else, if nothing else, like I said, I want to say thank you. Um, oh, looks like something else comes up here. Sorry about that. I don't want to cut y'all off. Yeah, refocusing on where your partner is. Exactly. That's all it is. Um, good. Looking forward to more of these. Me too. Like I said, I really appreciate y'all coming out. Um, so, you know, let me say this, you know, before we wrap up as well, the information that I'm going over, um, in our Facebook groups, um, on our YouTubes and things of that nature, this information is flowing. So if there's something that you have a question, comment, go to, you know, our Facebook group, ABR wealth management, join, uh, feel free to ask whatever questions that you're there. We'll try to provide you with some good guidance. Um, you know, we got to be very careful about specifics but we can give you some general information to kind of guide you in the right decision, you know, direction. As I said before, everybody doesn't have, you know, half a million or, you know, $5 million to deal directly with an advisor um, such as ourselves. But the, but the idea here is that you're still provided with information. That's my job. You know, that's why I give so much because I feel that education should be free. I shouldn't be hiding my hands. I have a secret recipe. It's not that. The idea is that here, listen, here, I can't hold your hand through it, but I can give it to you. And if you're willing to work hard and, you know, and, and apply the things that we're going over, it's going to be worth it. You know, y'all just y'all literally spent an hour, hour and 10 minutes where I usually charge upwards for 250 to $300 per hour to talk. And not only did you, you get a wide range of material, you know, it wasn't just like one or two problems. Right. That we kind of, you know, unravel. But, you know, you get that. And, and if you join the groups, things of that nature, uh, I'll be doing more of these webinars, doing more videos. Take what you want. Leave what you want. That's why I tell people I'm not here to throw finances down anyone's throats. What I want to do is just have the information there available so you can ask some great questions around it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Loved it. All right. All right, everybody. As always, I will see you on the other side of your blessing. Once again, please check out Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Thing podcast, where we will be uploading uh, podcasts around financial information. So you get to hear me talk about what's going on in the news. Uh, you get to hear you know tips and tricks and techniques that you can use um, and break down on a day-to-day -day basis. So until then, I will see you soon. Thank you and God bless.